This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Hello and good morning, Saturday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, whatever morning you're listening to this, Mm -hmm. evening, afternoon, who knows? We are Saturday Morning (laughs) Mysteries. We're your hosts. I'm Grace. And I'm Alexis. And for those who might be new, we are a crime comedy cartoon podcast where we retell classic childhood cartoons as if they were true crime episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. We do different arcs that are roughly eight episodes-ish each mm-hmm. uh, that cover one uh, one show, any episode from those shows. And currently our arc is The Wild Thornberries which is has been a mixture of survival stories. Oh, fuck, we forgot to do What Would Kill You in my last episode. Dang it, man. All right, well, yeah. let's, uh, okay, let's- The avalanche would have so, killed them in the last episode. Yeah, so what we've been doing for those who are new or maybe whatever, maybe not new to the podcast, <laughs> but new to our Wild Thornberries arc is at the end of yes. every Wild Thornberries episode, we're doing a list of what things could have or should have killed should have. the uh, main characters in the in the episode. So yes. uh, because, uh, yeah, in every episode, literally these being like an adventurous, fam- this being an adventurous family, uh-huh. they constantly are encountering a number of life threatening things. Yeah. So yeah. Cheating death. Cheating death. Grace, in your last episode, like you said, there was that massive avalanche that Eliza yeah. herself caused yep. should have killed them. Uh the yes, crevasse in between the crevasse. These, exactly. Yeah. Should have killed them. Yeah. Uh what the loud music. They could have gone deaf <laughs> and then they wouldn't have heard. <laughs> they wouldn't have heard the avalanche. So both kind of would kill them. True. Food poisoning from the sardine sandwich. I'm so <laughs> I'm so mad now too because You're I thought of that so to add. Yeah. Well, I'm not just about the sandwich, but because that made me think of, oh, add that to the list of things that could kill them. And then we forgot to do the things that Entirely, could kill them. Yes, so yes. yeah. Uh anything else? The car crash when they Ooh, fucking car crash, all that equipment through the flying and, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. There's a loss of that could have killed them. And yeah, Eliza especially cheated death. That avalanche and the crevasse really the big ones should yeah. have killed her. And you know, I know they weren't in the Australian outback, but much like the rainforest, as we covered mm-hmm. a couple of episodes it back for me, Australia is just like a country slash continent where like everything wants to kill you. So yeah. I just mean, like, like their mere presence in Australia, like was dangerous. your your risk of death is much <laughs> higher. The second you cross into that country, good <laughs> yes. luck. Um, yeah. Which, yes. Also, excellent. haven't you well, been to Australia? Didn't you and your brother go there when you were younger? Um, yes, I've been to Australia did... twice. Okay, so um, you are... I've survived you're... both times. I'm a survivor. Me too. What a badass. <laughs> I even went camping once in the outback and... Okay, that's intense. We slept yeah. under, like, without a tent, just, like, sleeping bags in the outback. And I, no joke, was like... I will probably die tonight. Like, not from some giant predator, like, but they have so like many. 10 years like, old. How old were you? I was like 13 the first time I went. And I was like, I will probably die tonight. I'm going to die. I was like, I this moon it. is so big. At least that's a natural light so I can see any of the critters. They got scorpions that are ready to kill you. They got snockies that are ready to kill you. They got spideys that are ready to kill you. But you know what? Mm. I'm here now, baby. So you suck survive. It. Country of Australia, predators of yeah. Australia, come at me. 
What's going to happen? You fail. Huh? A bunch of Next them are booking flights right now. They I'm going to take one show. step onto Australian soil and just have a heart Everything attack. attacks you. Oh, yeah. You don't even die from, like, getting attacked by an animal. Natural karma. causes. Yeah, or karma. was it? Dun, dun. Dun, dun, Anyways, dun. we... On my next episode today. of Saturday Morning Mysteries. <laughs> That I now am the only host of. (laughs) There can only be one. Um, Anyways, I don't think we're in Australia this time with the wild thornberries this week. Alexis will be telling us um, about, I don't know about what, but probably how the thornberries also cheat death. So Mm -hmm. take it away. There's a lot of of death cheating this episode. And thank you. I will. I'll take it from here. You're right. We are not in Australia, actually, this week. We are quite far away from Australia. Uh, This week, in fact, the Thornberries are not too far from the little-known town of Beijing, China. (laughs) The quaint village. The quaint village. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard of Grace? (laughs) Maybe. I think they had some sporting competition there a couple <laughs> years or like 10 years ago. I don't know. It's kind Who of, knows? it's, it's on people's radar. <laughs> it's just now Off getting the on their radar. Yeah. Uh, Up but and coming. Yes. <laughs> and the, this joking that we're doing now is even funnier because I'm going to take it way back in history and talk about how this region has been civil civilized or at least like, um, People have lived there for literally thousands of years. <laughs> this up and coming <laughs> little town. Wow, wait. So a bunch of hipsters because they were living there before it was cool. Yeah. Uh, 3,000 years ago. Like them. <laughs> those ancient hipsters. So, yes, this episode or uh, this recap retelling today is from the Wild Thornberries episode called Dragon Me Along. Great. Uh, depending on where you look, it was either from season three, episode one of the show or season four, episode nine. Yeah, it's, I don't know what it's happened. Been confusing, yeah. It's weird. I think when it first came out, it was season three, episode one. But if you're watching on Paramount Plus, then it's season four, episode nine, whatever. Yeah. Either way, it came out September 12th, 2000. Okay. Would have been awkward if it was 2001. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 2001. No. I was like, wow, what a that, flop like, of just an episode. Hit me. <laughs> no one watched it for whatever reason. <laughs> weird. What were they doing? Uh, literally oh. just dawned on me. <laughs> anyway. Wow, yeah, this episode is full of tangents, by the way. We're just getting started. <laughs> but we're going to jump right off and veer down Tangent Avenue one more time Our here. favorite street. Our favorite street. We have homes there. <laughs> multiple. Walk multiple on summer Tangent Avenue. <laughs> Fuck. This episode's going to be so long already, I can tell. <laughs> so Okay. Because the Thornberries, not only are they just outside of Beijing, China, but they are also planning on visiting the Great Wall. So let's cool. go down Tangent Avenue. I'm knocking on Grace's door and we're going to dish on <laughs> hey, neighbor. the Great Wall. Hi. We're going to dish <laughs> on the Great Wall of China because I think it's awesome. There are no rules here. And the two of yeah. us are just a bunch of nerds. So mm-hmm. let's 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 talk Chinese history as if yeah. we were experts. <laughs> on Chinese history and as if we weren't in a clearly adversarial nation to China. (laughs) 
So right, this YouTube video, like the last one's gonna have warning signs at the bottom. <laughs> Misinformation. CIA is already monitoring us. Like, oh no. First they talked about Germany and made World War II references. Now they're talking about no, China. Shit. Oh God, here we go. We'll never right, work in this town again. So all right. The Great Wall, or if you're in China, what is commonly known as the Long Wall or the 10,000 Li Wall. Li is a unit of measurement in China that's like a mile, I think. Anyway, it is the longest wall in the world with a winding path over a rugged country and steep mountains. And before I go on and get more in depth, I do want to say I actually did do a lot of research and reading on this, Grace, which is why it took me so long to write this script because I was watching so many videos and reading a lot of sources here other than Wikipedia. So I'm kind of proud of myself, like History.com, UNESCO, the Smithsonian website. What else did I look at? Uh, like a China heritage website. Who is Seems a little she? sus. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> but whatever. As if Wikipedia is not. I, it was slightly more sus than Wikipedia in the sense that like, I mean, it's clearly a reputable a website, but yeah. But like, it kind of looks like someone may just like run out of their basement. I don't know. <laughs> right. You know what? Power to them. But I hey, hope they listen it to had the, show. the information on that page aligned with all of the other sources okay, that out. I found. So it, yeah, it Great. checks out in one way or another. Cool. So let's get into the history here, which is not really important to the episode that much, but hey. But I care. But thank you. I want thank it. Thank you. Someone has to, right? <laughs> so, That's why we live on Tangent Avenue. <laughs> yeah because we care about hard-hitting facts like the history of the Great Wall. Yes. So the wall was continuously built from the 3rd century BC to 17th century AD. So like spanning over 20 centuries. So what is that, 2,000 years, right? I don't know. I don't know. Should have done that math first, don't years. ask me. <laughs> Oopsies, I did not research that part. Anyway, <laughs> and it was uh, built on the northern border border of China as a military defense project of successive Chinese empires. And so the wall was originally built to protect the empire from foreign nomadic invaders from the north, like the Mongolians, Mm. and to subsequently protect trade and commerce along the Silk Road, and to preserve cultural customs, because they thought that, oh, well, if these barbaric nomadic tribes are coming in and invading our country they're going to bring in their barbaric and nomadic culture and customs with them and as i'll get to later on china for a very long time has had a very rich and prosperous cultural identity and heritage particularly with the arts and with innovation Mm. the u.s government does not like me saying this but get over it misinformation (laughs) so uh with a total length of get this 13,170 miles aka about five times the length of the united states itself the great wall fucking massive it was mainly built from rammed earth stone and wood by soldiers prisoners slash slaves (laughs) and yeah like commoners and laborers wow from what i read and watched like the videos that i watched on the great wall it's kind of hard to grasp the height of the structure one, because it's so friggin' long and has so many different parts and, yeah. you know, parts from different, like, dynasties, which I'll get into in a second. 
but two, because a lot of the parts, as I kind of mentioned before, are built on like mountainous areas mm, or on, so, you know, higher elevation. Yeah. So yeah, you, and when you think of like the common pictures of the Great Wall, at least the parts that are kind of outside of Beijing, it you do see it kind of rolling up and down these massive yeah. hills, right? But the History Channel and like one of the videos that I watch, I think from like Discovery or whatever, say that it's between... 15 and 50 feet high at various points. Okay. So I'm not sure if that includes like the guard towers and the watchtowers that are mm. built in too. But I think generally speaking, the wall itself can be anywhere from 15 to 50 feet high. So anywhere from like a story okay. to a few stories, which is pretty tall. Yeah. And so also apparently I learned that there are some legends that human bones and body parts were used in the mortar that held together the bricks cool. in the wall. I cool. bet. Probably, but apparently it's been debunked, depending on who you ask. By who's scientists? <laughs> exactly. China debunks it, but the, the United States is like, no, they've always been this way. Blood hungry. <laughs> yes. So rather, what is claimed to have been used to hold the all these bricks and stones together is what's called a sticky rice mortar that consisted oh. of sticky rice soup mixed with slaked lime, a.k.a. calcium hydroxide. Don't ask me any further questions on any of that. <laughs> but also <laughs> kind of funny and stereotypical that like, oh, come on, really? Did you guys use rice? Is that real? <laughs> I, I like I like to believe that they actually did use human bones and body parts. That's, I, I mean, think, a little less stereotypical. Yeah, it's less stereotypical. <laughs> and also like, I mean even if there aren't body parts like to hold it together, people for sure would have died while building it. They're not going to bury every single body, not even just there. No one building this big of a wall. You ain't got time for that. You just kick them into yeah. the wall and keep building. There's definitely dead bodies in there. Somewhere. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's just like the pyramids, right? <laughs> every time. No, um, you know how many graves that would be? These stones <laughs> are specifically for the wall, not for your headstones, okay? centuries worth of dead bodies. <laughs> this was before the one-child policy in China. <laughs> they were like, just have more kids, okay? We'll, we'll just stick get in the wall, more keep people, going. more labor. <laughs> anyway, so continuing on with the history here before we get into our Thornberries episode, way, way back in time, I don't know, like from mid 700s bc to the early 200s bc china was divided into a number of smaller individual kingdoms with each one having its own like fortif fortifications and defensive walls or borders around it and so around 220 bc king qin shi huang also known as the first emperor of china united the nation and spearheaded the process of uniting the various existing walls throughout the empire all into one. So essentially Whoa. he was like, light bulb, now that I rule over this whole place, let's combine all of these different walls yeah. into one dope ass massive wall. Very smart. It was smart. And so much later down the road in 1368 BC, I believe, no, eight, I don't know, CE, is what Wikipedia says. I don't know what CE <laughs> means. Is that like it? Whatever. In 1368, Zhu yeah, Wanjiang took power and he founded the Ming Dynasty, which mm. is very famous and is known for its achievements in like the arts and in ceramics and in painting. 
And so the Ming emperors, they decided to improve upon this wall by adding watchtowers and platforms. And they also added a number of carvings and like artistic images throughout the wall and thus turned it into the world's largest military structure at that time. And probably, I mean, I guess I don't know if it's still technically a military structure, but like to this day, if it is considered that, it's probably still the largest military structure um, in the world. And so to this day, the best known and best preserved portions of the wall are those portions built between the 14th century and the 17th century during the Ming dynasty. So once Chinese rule extended into Inner Mongolia in the 17th century, so towards the end of the Ming dynasty, the wall became less important as a defense mechanism and turned more into a cultural icon or an important symbol of Chinese identity. And of course, the Great Wall brings in countless visitors every year, boosting Mm -hmm. the tourism economy in China and particularly around Beijing. So... Also, just another fun fact, but a lot of people throughout the world, including Eliza Thornberry in this episode, (laughs) claim that the wall is so massive that it can be viewed from space. But all of the videos and like sources that I read and watched seem to Mm. like call into question whether this is accurate. And I think it's kind of been debunked, except I will admit that the UNESCO page on the Great Wall, like the World Heritage Foundation's page Uh on the Great Wall says that some portions can be viewed from the moon. So I don't know who to believe Mm. or what to believe. I've never been to China and I've never been to space. I've never been to the moon. (laughs) I've never even been in close orbit of Earth. I know I need to get on my freaking SpaceX shit. I thought that's Elon, how you traveled if you're to listening. China. Was that you went to space and then you went to China? I thought that was your route that you usually. I think took. that's. I think that's the quickest way. Either that, or by <laughs> digging so a hole straight through the earth. It's <laughs> one of the two. Either go around, up and over the earth, or go through the earth. But that's, yeah. So I hey, but I've never been to China, so I wouldn't know. Once I go, I'll let you know if I can see <laughs> it from space back. when I'm up there. Yeah. Great. So, anyways enough on the great wall i could go on but we'll we'll stop there because again none of this really is at all important to the episode except calling eliza on her shit with not knowing that you can't view it from space apparently so get it together you 12 year old girl (laughs) the thornberry's trip to the great wall it happens to coincide with a kite festival which look I don't really think or know if there is a kite festival that happens right <laughs> on the Great Wall. I did enough research on the history of it. Oh, I was going day, down, I don't fucking know. I was going down rabbit holes trying to figure <laughs> out. I did learn about a lot of other kite festivals throughout China, none of which happened to be on the Great Wall, but whatever. <laughs> I gave up. So the family... <laughs> I tired and I was like oh shit we're recording in 10 minutes I need to stop at some point so the family they're driving through like this mountainous kind of like countryside of China about 50 miles north of Beijing but who's counting okay. and Eliza is stressing out about being late to meet her pin pal slash friend named Ling for the first time oh, cool. so meanwhile as Eliza's stressing out stressing out about being late Debbie is complaining about not being able to go shopping in Beijing. And Debbie's frustrations lead Nigel and Marianne, who are, you know, up front in the comedy, 
to decide to actually spend the entire day with Debbie, who they feel they have been neglecting. And a lot, and this will give Eliza time to like meet up with her pen pal and, you know, explore with her. Obviously, Debbie is not super stoked about this. She's an angst, angsty teen. She's like, I don't want to hang out with my parents all day. But at the same time, like, okay, well, you're not going to hang out with your 12-year-old sister either. So what are you going to do? <laughs> Yeah, one so, of them has money, the other one doesn't. She's going to take a little bit of money. <laughs> we know where it's going to go. But before she ultimately makes that decision, Debbie tries to politely decline her parents' offer <laughs> by telling her. She's like, oh, you know, I actually have like this really big school project that I need to work on. And, you know, I've not even picked a subject yet. So I think I'm going to stay back Uh-oh. in the combi and just work on that. <laughs> Nigel, though, he's super <laughs> excited about everything. And he's like... <laughs> research project I literally do research (laughs) projects every day for my job like this is my life Uh let us help you pick a topic and help you do your project Debbie and Marianne jumps into like oh my god yes this is perfect this is exactly how we want to spend time with you and Debbie's kind of like cornered into this now so the family they arrive at a like a tourist entry point at the great wall it's kind of cool actually you see a bunch of other like campers and rvs like parked outside kind of like a campground i don't know if they have this or not whatever like i said (laughs) i wanted to learn about the Ming dynasty not not about modern day (laughs) so (laughs) immediately upon exiting the combi the whole family is greeted by ling and Ling, she is you know, a young, I assume also 12-year-old Chinese girl. Mm. She's got like a ponytail, straight cut bangs, a neon green like scrunchie and pants mm. and like a peach colored jacket. So a very loud it. outfit. Yeah, <laughs> like let's go. And I'm glad that you said you love it because I also just want to take a moment to acknowledge and appreciate how much I love Eliza's fit in this episode. <gasps> because sometimes they will put them in different outfits, as you've yeah. noted, based on like the climate of where they're visiting. Yeah. In this episode, like I don't think it's particularly cold or anything in Beijing so I think they just wanted Eliza to look like she was like ready for action because she is wearing this really dope full track suit it's <gasps> like blue sweats and yes. blue hoodie I'm sure you'll put a picture of it in there yeah. and so people watching on YouTube you see how dope of a fit this is <laughs> but I'll explain it to the listeners it's blue sweats and a blue hoodie with like these accents of a lighter blue stripe going down the side of the arms and the legs and like a nice like the pouch or pocket on the hoodie has Uh like an orange stripe going through it and she's got like matching sneakers that are like light blue and kind of like lavender-ish so clearly Eliza got to go shopping in Beijing and Debbie did that's what I was thinking (laughs) Debbie like slept in or something like that (laughs) like that's that's how Nigel and Marianne neglected Debbie they like didn't wake her up to take her to the mall yeah because yeah the only reason I'm saying this is because it's a dope outfit I would 100 percent 10 out of 10 rock this outfit seven days out of the week nine months out of the year just like walking around like walking down the street (laughs) exactly so on to tangent avenue Avenue. me and Grayson are matching blue tracksuits both of us just like (laughs) yes love it boom we ever make a music video that's it that's, that's the, the whole look. thing so <laughs> anyway 
Eliza. She introduces Ling to her family, but Ling is like already very familiar with them because she's read about them in all of Eliza's emails mm. or letters or whatever. And the entire group sets off for a tour of the Great Wall led by Ling herself. Cool. And at one point, you know, Marianne, she notices these beautiful carvings in the wall, likely the product of the Ming Dynasty, bringing it full we circle here. And, and she tells Debbie that she could discuss the history behind the carvings in her school report or project or whatever. And Nigel cuts in saying, oh, 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 or Debbie, you could do a report on the engineering history behind the Great Wall. Your hosts here, we've already done that report for you. So just (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome. (laughs) Students listening and trying to real quick type a 500 word like short paper on. It's rice, not bones. What else do you need to know? What else do you need to know? Stone built by like prisoners and soldiers. What else? What do you need to know? They use goats and stuff and carts. Yeah, that's the report. Boom. Carvings, (laughs) Ming Dynasty, done. What next? (laughs) So anyway, yeah, these topics speak to us, right? But neither of them speak to Debbie. Ah. So she just brushes them off like, "Eh, you know, maybe I'll just like look into the retail history along the Great Wall. (laughs) Of course, the shopper she is. And Nigel just is like, well, that's not very scholarly of a topic. And so we'll put a pin in that, though, because I did mention before that the wall was built to protect trade and commerce exactly along the the Silk Road. Exactly. So put a pin in that for later. Debbie's going to have a nice character arc in this episode. So the family, they make their way to the top of the wall and they're taking in these beautiful sights and the heights, which, of course, scare the living daylights out of Darwin. He like looks down and almost falls Aww. over the edge, which like if you're at the 50 foot point, like, yeah, that would be kind of freaking scary. Yeah, and he's over. just afraid of everything. So, yes. yeah, Debbie, Nigel and Marianne, they go off one way to find a topic for Debbie's report. While Eliza, Ling, Darwin, and Donnie go off another way to explore like a nearby village, I think where Ling lives. And so in their quest, going back to Nigel, Marianne, and Debbie, Mm -hmm. in their quest to pick a topic for Debbie's school project, they're like, you know, engaging a bit with the locals and tourists at the, and tourists. I feel like my mind was thinking terrorists for some reason. (laughs) Tourists. (laughs) (laughs) tourists at the wall the the thornberries are the terrorists in this episode we'll see later Uh, so (laughs) the parents are like talking about the history and the structure of the great wall while debbie is just kind of like trading a bunch of souvenirs with other travelers and local retailers nearby she's like She's like got a pair of sandals that she trades for like a fan and then a fan that she trades for like a cage with a a lucky cricket in it or grasshopper. I mean, sorry, Mm -hmm. because grasshoppers are considered lucky, I think, in Chinese culture. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah, it's like we see her doing this while. Yeah, it is. And meanwhile, though, Marianne and Nigel are like waxing philosophic, like, oh, the stone of the of the great (laughs) wall. And oh, these carvings are so beautiful and all that, as they Uh naturally would. So. Meanwhile, Ling and Eliza and Donnie and Darwin, they're like riding this tandem bike through the village. Um, There's like a basket on either side where Donnie and Darwin are sitting and Ling and Eliza are pedaling. 
And Ling is in the front seat and she's like a total, she's like New York courier delivery, bike <laughs> courier delivery style, like dodging and weaving. Yeah, it, it's on a tandem bike, no less, which would be That's very hard. difficult. Yeah, like dodging other bikes and pedestrians. And, you know, Eliza's complimenting Ling's bike riding skills, saying like, oh my God, like you're really good at avoiding all this traffic on this busy street which is busier than usual due to the upcoming kite festival that mm. the village is celebrating. But Ling, she's like super nonchalant about it. Like, oh yeah, you know, that's just life here. But you, Eliza, like you're always getting into adventures and escaping dangerous situations. Tell me more about that. Like she's, mm. Ling is super impressed by all of the things that Eliza and her family get to do in their travels around the mm. world. And she she kind of wants her life to be more like Eliza's in some sense. So Ling takes Eliza to meet her family at her grandfather's kite store in the village. Cool. And her grandfather, though, he's actually the only one working there at the time. So he's the only one that Eliza meets. But before we do that, we're going to go back to Tangent <laughs> Avenue <laughs> and learn hey, about some kites now. About <laughs> <laughs> some kites now. <laughs> so, yes. This, this is a short tangent but I just had to add it in because kites are a major part of this episode. And indeed they are a big part of Chinese cultural heritage. So apparently China as a nation takes credit for inventing the kite about 2,300 years ago. Interestingly, right before the Qi dynasty, the one that started the combining of the multiple walls throughout the empire during what was called the warring period. So I guess like all these different kingdoms were not really getting along, whatever, bringing it all full circle. Like as like war is all around him and he's like, someone look at my kite. (laughs) I swear it can bring unity to our (laughs) our fractured nation. So an arrow goes through his kite. (laughs) Falls somehow explodes on like on impact. I don't know. So okay. Kites in China were originally, and actually maybe this is appropriate because apparently they were originally used in intelligence and military operations. Oh shit. Measure distances. Oh. Maybe maybe also for that, but I think mostly to like measure distances and yeah, I guess to provide information to aid Whoa. like large groups of moving armies across the difficult terrain. So yeah, they may have like sent almost That's instead cool. of a carrier pigeon, a carrier or a messenger kite. pigeon, a messenger kite. kite so, which like a kite, which is a kite. A kite. <laughs> <laughs> so um and actually that's really the only tangent that I have on That's kite. Cool. So anyway, I know that yeah. at all. I had no clue. I don't think I knew that they originated in China either. I knew that like China was like very innovative with them and that there are a bunch of different types of kites that are, I guess, kind of like native to Chinese culture. But mm. yeah, I didn't I didn't know that they created them and I did not know that they were military weapons. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> Their inception makes me really want to get into kite flying now. Be like, look how badass I am with my kite. daggers on the side of it. <laughs> which like in the part of the country where i am would be so so stupid of a thing to do like you can't you Send can't even fly drones <laughs> in dc you, like 
<laughs> exactly. You can't fly drones like within like a 10 mile to like 20 mile or something radius yeah. of DC, both because of the federal buildings and because of the airport being like right there. So you see like a kite with like dag. <laughs> You're just getting tackled <laughs> by it. <laughs> FBI. The feds like break through my window, crash in. I'm like, <laughs> my kite. Just like the original kite maker probably experienced. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A military force takes it down. When the key military just bombed that (laughs) shit, or the equivalent of a bomb in the year 221 uh, BC. So anyway, back to the wild thornberries here. Ling says that her grandfather happens to be the best kite maker in all of China. But ever the humble grandpa he is he says that he is actually only the second best oh but the unveiling of his newest kite at the festival tomorrow just might change that cool so he goes and he grabs his newest kite from you know behind like the store storage room or whatever and he pulls out they call it a kite i don't think it is based on my research but anyway it's like one of those don't laugh at this grace, but a red and yellow dragon. Grace and I were joking about All the colors red together. and orange or yellow and orange earlier. Whatever. Anyway, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's a whole thing that happened off camera, off recording. So he pulls out this red and yellow dragon kite. And like I said before, I'm not sure that this is actually a kite. Rather, I think it's one of those dragon costumes. Anyone who's familiar with... Oh, yeah. um the uh lunar new year or the chinese new year celebrations you often see people wearing those like long dragon costumes Mm. with multiple people underneath it that they're using throughout parades this is what he pulls out from what i read about kites particularly chinese kites and i read a few sources (laughs) i don't know when this knowledge will ever be useful again but it's useful right now you never know this doesn't really seem like a kite to me i think it is just what i said a costume but there are there is a type of kite called a centipede kite, which don't even like saying that word, but whatever gives me the the exact. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of the insect itself that creeps me out enough, but now I'm thinking of the human centipede, and I'm even more grossed out. But they do have these long centipede type kites that are often um, designed and like painted to look like dragons but they are actual kites that you fly in the sky and they're actually very beautiful and majestic not that like people are underneath them when they're flying in the sky so (laughs) what it seems like is going on here is closer to the thing that you see during parades on the ground during like a lunar new year festival but for whatever reason they're calling it a kite in this episode okay so Fire off in the comments if you have any knowledge of traditional Chinese kites, and maybe I am wrong, and this is also for whatever reason considered a kite, even though it has no ability to be airborne, mm. what are controlled in the air, whatever. So this thing that Ling's grandfather pulls out of the storage room, it's very nice. Like I said, dragon design. It has room enough for six people to stand inside of it and perform. And Grandpa says that he and his sons plan to get underneath it and perform in the parade the next day in hopes of winning the festival's top prize. And so, just as Grandpa is putting the kite back, Eliza starts to hear a familiar voice outside of his shop. A voice that is, it's a little faint, 
It's like a young, a child, a young boy's voice. And it's distress and whimpering. Oh, and no. it is none other than the voice of a baby panda <gasps> and his mother. Two pandas that Eliza actually met earlier in the series in an oh. episode that also took place around China. I'll get to that in a second. Okay. And their names are the the son, the baby panda, is named Shishu. And the mother's name is Mei Mei. And so okay. when I first watched this episode, and you know, you see Eliza run out after hearing these baby pandas, and she's like, Shishu, Mei Mei, like she automatically IDs them and knows them. Aww. And Shishu says back, like, Eliza, help us. So oh, no. I was like, okay. wait, oh, what the fuck? Did I miss something in the five minutes of this episode where she met these pandas? <laughs> no. As it turns <laughs> out. Episode. Exactly. In season okay. two of the original broadcast of the show, the Thornberries traveled to um, Chongqing, which is near the Yangshi River. This may, don't you know where that is, Greg? <laughs> no. It has pandas. It, it, it does have pandas. It, it is, or at least in that episode, it did. I did has, not look up if pandas are. Two pandas. Yeah, right. So they traveled. <laughs> So they traveled there in season two of the original broadcast. And in that episode, I went and I watched it because I saw that it wasn't one of the episodes that you were covering. So I was like, okay, yeah. let me look at this so I can like, I need to put myself in the minds Backstory. of these pandas. What are they going <laughs> through right now? What's happening? What's Eliza's relationship with these guys like? Yes. And it actually is a bit of a, there's some drama, okay, in the background of these two. Uh, so the, the Thornberries were going to get panda footage in... Uh, Chongqing. A whole classic mix-up happened. Shishu mm. was just born when they were there, and his mom, Maymay, was out looking for food when he woke up, and the first thing that he saw was oh, no. Debbie Thornberry, who happened to be wearing this. He imprinted on Debbie because she happened to be wearing this cool, like, panda-designed hoodie that, like, was helicoptered in and delivered to them. <laughs> And she was like so excited to wear it because obviously Debbie was fashion. It actually was kind of a cute hoodie, whatever. And so oh this panda God. imprinted on her, thought it was her, thought he uh, Debbie was his mother. It's a whole thing. Eliza had to go and find May May. May May is like freaking out about where the fuck her son was. Correct. Like, in a panic mode, exactly. A massive monsoon washes through coincidentally because the Thornberries love traveling love, during storm season. <laughs> they love a flood. And yeah, it's just chaos. May May comes to the combi and finds uh Shishu and this whole thing. Debbie oh like falls in love with this panda eventually by the end, though, and is like very motherly. She's annoyed at first, whatever. So oh yeah. My God. They have a whole history. And then Eliza's like, oh my God, hey, it's me again. Hey, Remember hi. Me? What's Remember up? Me? Hi. Hey, yeah. we connect your baby. We connect your son. Hey. Hi, what's going on? Put a pin in that about the whole kidnapping your son thing. So anyway. By the way, though, the last thing I'll say as the call back to the last episode where we see Mei Mei and Shishu. I looked it up and Chongqing is about a 19 hour drive from Beijing and or a two and a half hour flight, which doesn't seem to add up to me, but that's what Google told me. I'm and, not sure. I guess maybe it's because you're like driving through mountains and stuff yeah, like that, probably. whatever. But like these pandas are not close to home. They are not yeah. at all near where they're supposed to be. Are we going to figure out why they be. are up here? Yes, we are. They I mean, are calling for help, which seems not great. <laughs> yes. We're going to figure out why they're not 
home, but we're gonna, I don't know if we'll really figure out why Beijing was the next okay. best place for them to be, but whatever, we'll figure out why they're not home in just a second. So before we do that, let's take yet another quick drive down tangent and hey, talk about some pandas oh. <laughs> yeah which yeah so this is a fun trip a cute adorable trip down um tangent avenue to talk about the wonderfully adorable but also potentially dangerous giant pandas so they are indeed native to China, as I'm sure most people know, and they're endemic, meaning that's pretty much, unless you're at a zoo somewhere, China is the only place you're going to see a panda. And they particularly live in a few mountain ranges in central China, in the Sichuan, Songxi, and Gansu regions. That's the most of, I really hope I don't have to pronounce any other Chinese words, because <laughs> I feel like I'm butchering all of these, but we'll that's see. That's okay. And so hilariously, the traditional Chinese translation of our word panda, I guess, is um, bear cat or cat bear, which I think is very appropriate and adorable because, yeah, they kind of look like little cat bears, you know, because their faces are different from the normal type of bear. Yeah. I learned because of the evolution that they went through from having like a primarily bamboo diet. I don't know the science behind it, but that is why their faces are more rounded than the typical bear face, which looks more like a dog, I would say, with a pointy-eared nose. Yeah, they got a little stumpy face. Yeah, exactly. I guess it's because of the way that they have to eat the bamboo or Mm, because of how they ate the bamboo. I don't know. Yeah. Sounds right. Sure. Yeah, Wikipedia said it, so I believe it. (laughs) So adult pandas can get anywhere from like four-ish to six-ish feet long and up to like 35 inches tall up to their shoulders so two and almost three feet yeah almost three feet tall Uh and males can weigh up to 350 pounds where females can weigh up to 276 pounds and the average adult weighs about like of either gender is like 220 to 254 pounds so pretty okay. big i guess not as big though as i was thinking they yeah, were they were way bigger like, that's, to be honest that's practically human size right so four to six feet long 220 yeah. to 254 that's like a big man but also yeah. only like three feet tall so yeah i, I always imagine yeah, them i guess, be, I guess that's when they're on all fours when they're three feet tall yeah like they're like to up the to the shoulders yeah, yeah. So if they're sitting, then they're probably, exactly. So uh, yeah, I always thought that they were bigger than that. Maybe it's just, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they look bigger when you see them in the zoo for whatever reason, because there's not like their natural habitat around them, whatever questionable (laughs) topic for another day. So anyway, as I mentioned before, the panda diet, they mostly eat bamboo because they're mostly herbivorous. But interestingly, they have a digestive system of a carnivore. So again, I'm not a scientist, but this essentially means that they don't get a lot of energy or protein from bamboo. And that means that they have to eat as much as 20 to 31 pounds of bamboo shoots a day oh my to God. compensate for Instead the limited energy content. Yeah. Food, they're like, we're doubling down on we're this. We're just going to double down on the bamboo. They're like, <laughs> you know... We could eat something else to get more energy than this bamboo is giving us, but we don't have enough energy to find mm, something. Cycle. <laughs> yeah. Vicious cycle. Uh, these vicious pandas cycle. are in. Yes. Oh my God. And okay. So, 
Yes. And so as a result, this is even wilder from eating 20 to 31 pounds of bamboo a day, which the the shoot of bamboo is pretty protein rich, but also I imagine pretty fucking fibrous. Yeah. Bam or pandas shit up to 40 times a day. So they That's don't damn stop. Near two times they don't stop. They just poop like two times every hour. They eat and At just like least. Poop. Could you imagine on one hand, I feel like, wow, the relief, like my intestines (laughs) would feel great. But on the other hand, no, my intestines would feel horrible from constantly having to poop all day. What I'm picturing is actually like, (laughs) wow, we're in like a bamboo safari. We get, I get to finally see a majestic like panda in the wild. And just the whole time you're just walking in poop. It just must mm-hmm. be everywhere. Like that's how you know you're getting closer. It has to be like, everywhere. It becomes mounds of poop. Yeah, yeah. You're just walking like, around and in all and it's day. Like, it just must smell so bad. But you always know oh, where they are. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking True. from like walking upon this scene and just being like, "Well, here's a colony of poop." Oh, I see panda. <laughs> cool. The poop outweighs the pandas, like yeah. dramatically. Probably, I mean, yeah. I didn't. I honestly did not even think about that. Yeah, because like there aren't that many pandas, and like pandas are for the most part all in the same area. So yeah. like, yeah, those areas where the pandas are is just so like bad. laden with poop. <laughs> yeah, <that was laughs> poop so laden, poop laden jungles of poop-laden China. Poop laden, So. <laughs> So the uh, the giant panda typically lives like naturally for about 20 years. But interestingly enough, there was recently a female panda named Gia Gia, who was the oldest known panda ever in captivity. She was born in 1978 and died in October of 2016, aged 38 years holy shit that's pretty impressive yeah that panda was eight years older than us yeah that doubled (laughs) the lifespan of an average panda damn near yeah um and and this was a panda in captivity too so not even a panda in its natural habitat so imagine actually i'm not sure and you know what i'm not the person to have this ethical argument or whatever but like (laughs) it makes me wonder if she would have lived longer in the wild but maybe not i don't know i don't know it must she must have been at oh. uh, like the San Diego Zoo is like an incredible zoo that does a ton of conservation. So she must yeah. have been at like a one of the best very, ones. Yeah, like nice and conservation oriented zoo. Yeah, I did not think to look up which zoo she was in. That's no, probably super easy to find. Oh, yeah. to research. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I was like, I was like, I need to learn more about panda defecation. Thank you very <laughs> much. Yeah, you're Gigi. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. 38 years old. But how many times a day did she poop, though? That's 38 years of pooping, 40 times a 40 day. Times a day. For That's... 365 days a year, how many 1600, times did she poop? About 1,600. Po- oh, no, shoot. That's per day. I was thinking per year. I can't Someone even do that math. Do the math and do put the it math. in the comments for us. <laughs> yes, please. 38 year old panda, 40 <laughs> times a day. Thank you. So. As a result of farming and deforestation and other development, the giant panda unfortunately has been driven out of the lowland areas where it once lived and is now considered a conservation-reliant vulnerable species. So like you said, thank goodness for organizations like the San Diego Zoo, like 
toss, toss, the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical hey. Gardens. Some of the zoos yeah. around at least America, obviously there are many others around the world that are very, very good with conservation and treat the animals very well because that is the point, unfortunately, where we are with mm-hmm. pandas where we've got to rely on conservation to keep them around. And okay, last couple of fun facts that I've thrown in here because yes. I'm like, oh my God, pandas I are fucking pandas. amazing. Probably like top 10 of my favorite animals just because of how adorable they are and just how cool they look. And I don't know, yes. they're, they're just, they're fucking hilarious, they're so right? So they're yeah. so cute. So a couple more fun facts. They do communicate through vocalization and also by clawing trees and scent marking, aka spraying urine. Nice, classic. <laughs> So a lot of pooping, a lot of peeing that they do. That's how they communicate. It's how they get by a cat, cat, bear, bear, cat. Uh, Also, they do not hibernate. And although they are often assumed to be docile, they have been known to attack humans, usually though out of irritation and not out of aggression. So they're not going (laughs) to... Grace is a panda. (laughs) Whomst amongst us has not been irritated enough. To just the point where they just the do a little, eh, just a quick little backhand <laughs> to get little, someone out of your way. Yeah, and get back know? to pooping. Exactly. <laughs> and spraying my piece somewhere so <laughs> someone knows where to find me. <laughs> well, actually, don't find me. Don't. Please don't. That's though, why they're I will, I will claw you. So, <laughs> anyways, these pandas in today's episode, Shishu, the little baby panda, and his mother, Maymay, they are in a cage at the present moment on wheels. That's attached to this pickup truck. I know, very sad. And this pickup truck is making its way down the streets of this village. And Eliza, she hears Shishu crying from inside of Grandpa's kite store, or whatever. And so she runs out to see what's going on. Shishu, he sees her and he asks for her to help him and his mother. But before she has a chance, before Eliza has a chance to ask him, like, well, what, what the hell are you doing here? Why are you in a cage? What's going on? The truck speeds off. And Eliza's like, oh my God. She starts panicking, saying she's got to do something. Yeah. So Ling runs outside after her to see what's bothering Eliza. And Eliza explains to her that it looks like poachers have just captured two pandas and they're keeping them somewhere in the village. And Ling is concerned as well because she's like, I've never ever seen pandas in this village, let alone outside of the nearest preserve. So yeah, Mm. you're right. Like something must be going on here. And so eager now to engage in a classic Thornberry mm. family adventure, Ling is like, fuck, yeah, let's, let's go do it. on it. Donnie, you're coming with me. Darwin and Eliza, you go that way and look. Let's figure out where this truck cool. just went. And so Eliza explains to Darwin after Ling and Donnie go, you know, their way. Eliza and Darwin are talking and she says to him that she can't go to her parents for help because doing so would reveal her secret ability aka that she can talk Mm. to animals because how else would she know that those two specific pandas in the the cage were the same ones ones exactly that they came across Mm. back in ching chong a year or however long ago they wouldn't all pandas look the same to humans for the most part unless you're like a specialist right so okay yeah i mean yeah i i wouldn't be able to tell i mean well okay marianne and nigel are a like little more qualified yeah, they like, might be able to I think to. their patterns are different but a 12 year old yeah. girl 
exactly they'd be like are you sure it's her son she's like oh yeah this is definitely the panda that imprinted on me i can i can prove it so so soon after darwin and eliza have this little like chat ling and donnie come back and they tell eliza that they found a clue as to where the pandas may be and so they lead Eliza and Darwin to an to an alleyway, kind of sketchy, but whatever, where they see just like a fresh piece of bamboo sitting out on the ground. And they're like, okay. okay, boom, this probably fell off the truck. Like bamboo isn't just like in this village, you know, around here. So it probably fell off that truck. And it's like there's they see a um like a shed and garage like further down the alleyway where they're okay. like, okay. That's probably where it is. This is leading us down the trail. And indeed, soon after they walk to that that truck or that uh, shed, that shack that's down that alleyway and off a little main road, they like kind of peek in through the door and they do see Shishu and Maymay still in the cage inside of there. Okay. And so they all they all sneak in, all these kids, they sneak into the shack. But the alleged or suspected poacher who is driving the truck is still in there, which forces all the kids to like real quick, like dive and hide behind these bunch of uh, bales of hay that are sitting off to the side so that he Mm -hmm. doesn't so that the poacher doesn't see all of them. And so once the poacher leaves the shack, Eliza tells Ling and the others to go outside and keep watch while she gets the pandas out of the cage. And she goes to unlock and open the cage and tells the pandas to, like, get out and come with her. Like, come with me if you want to live. Like, <laughs> Terminator. Come on. Let's go. Get into the chopper. Eliza suddenly lies. She has, like, the uh, red light coming out of her eye. <laughs> yeah. That's uh-huh. why she wanted them to leave the shed. So they couldn't <laughs> see the truth. Not only can she talk to animals, she's a Terminator too. <laughs> it, it's actually just in her programming. It wasn't a shaman that gave her the powers. Yeah. Skynet just programmed just her programmed. to be able to speak to animals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. AI, is, AI anyway. has gone too far. Gone too far. Damn it. Chat GPT before it even <laughs> hey, it was inspired by this episode. So Shishu, the little baby panda, he's very excited when Eliza like unlocks this uh, this cage door and is telling her that she'll save them. He's like, yay, we're free. But Maymay, the mother panda, she's she's a bit wiser. And she before like just jumping out and going with this 12 yeah. year old girl, she's like, where are you going to take us? Right. We're pandas like, in the middle of a city. What's the we're, where like you're just gonna like parade us out on the streets what's going on here and shot I'll... on sight <laughs> oh man not funny but like that's absolutely what would happen because they would just think yep. that these two pandas are like chasing these two girls and their yes. chimpanzee and little boy so eliza realizes like shit yeah you're right i did not think that through like okay you're right i'm not really sure where i'm gonna take you but i promise it'll be somewhere safe girl are you even from here (laughs) you don't know where you are (laughs) you don't know where you are so may may she knows this she knows eliza's not chinese she shuts that shit down real quick i've dealt with thornberries before you saw my son okay (laughs) you try to kidnap him again 
And even though you reunited me with him, I still do not totally trust you. Yeah. Correct. So, so Maymay, she tells Shishu to like get back in the cage ASAP. Like, Shishu, come on, no, get back in here, get back in the cage. And she tells Eliza, like, no, we're safe right here where we are. The man who, you know, who you saw driving the truck, he's been giving us plenty of food. Like, I don't know if we should go with you. And Eliza's like, Maymay, like, you have to trust me, please. I promise you, I don't want to see you get hurt. This cage isn't safe. That man slash poacher, he he took you from your home, obviously. Like, don't you want to go back home? And Shishu jumps in and says that there actually was a fire at their home. So near the Yangshi River or whatever, and that it burnt all of the food and all of their natural habitat. And Eliza suggests that the poachers themselves probably did this to draw out the pandas and then force them into captivity. So, okay, yeah, fair, maybe. So right at this point, though, so she's got Shishu out of the cage, but Maymay is still like, no, she's still in the cage. And right at this point, Ling Ling signals to Eliza, saying that the man is back on his way to the shack and that she needs to pack it up and get the hell out of Dodge. So Eliza, she's like, like, puts it in her pocket. Come on, let's go. So (laughs) no, quite the opposite. Eliza like shoves Shishu back into the cage. Like, oh, fuck, no, you're going back in. Uh And Shishu's like, no, I don't want to. But she just like eats him back in there and like shuts the shit and locks it back. And then she hides Uh underneath the cage until the poacher leaves. And the poacher, he... He gets back in the shack and he's like doing a once over, just like checking on everything, making sure everything's all right. And he sees that like the the door to the cage has been open and the keys are on the floor or whatever, because Eliza's a total klutz. Yeah. And so, you know, he locks back up and he's like, that's weird. I'm pretty sure I locked this up, but whatever. Okay. Oh. And he leaves the shack and then locks the shack up too. Oh, so leaving. Yeah. Well, so he doesn't. Actually, that's a good point. I don't think he, I don't think he takes the keys to the cage, but like okay, but yeah, maybe there's a separate the set of keys yeah. outside of the shack or like one of those, you know, bars that you put down or whatever to yeah. keep stuff from getting out, including Eliza. So Eliza <laughs> is unknowingly trapped inside of this shack Great. and she's like freaking out like, oh my God, somebody please help me get me out. And thankfully, Donnie, aka Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> a hero. He like find, absolute hero. He finds this like small little hole in the bottom of the back wall of the shack, and he's like Ooh. crawling himself oh. in and like making the hole a little bigger. Donnie actually, you said it in your episode in Bhutan. Like this kid's actually super skilled, right? Like he can call yes. the birds. I didn't mention it, but like earlier in this episode when they're driving to the Great Wall at the very beginning, they're um obviously embracing the culture they're like eating rice in the combi and debbie's uh-huh. trying to use chopsticks and oh, she right. can't like she, perfect. she like throws them on the table like fuck this like man i can't even eat the food here and donnie picks him up and he's like acing it like perfect with the chopstick he's like flipping them around his fingers like like drumsticks and stuff and then like just like yeah getting all this rice and eating it like a pro it's so funny and anyway so yes eliza she crawls out that hole that donnie has created and she's out to safety and on her way out though she like turns back and tells shishu and maymay that she'll be back first thing in the morning to get them as well to safety so she tells the rest of the group the plan like all right we're gonna come back first thing in the morning and we'll get them out of here 
break for tonight, go home. So they go home. And up and early the next morning, Darwin, you know, he kind of like pulls Eliza to the side, tries to have some straight talk with her. <laughs> He's like, Eliza, much like we said earlier, Grace, you can't just release the pandas into the village. Yeah. What's the plan here, girl? What is the plan? What are you yeah. going to do? Why don't you I don't... ask an authority figure to exactly. step in? Right. Exactly. Like, you don't have to give up your, you know, your powers. Yeah. You can just be like, to, I saw pandas say, being in a back of a in truck a cage. into this garage. Yes. Pandas are not natural to this village, nor yeah. to the, like, even wooded areas right around this area, I don't yes. think. So, like... You might want to check on that. I swear <laughs> I can't talk to the pandas. I'm just saying I saw some pandas. It looked weird. It looked weird. Something ain't right. So say something, say something. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh God, sorry. That just reminds me. Tangent Avenue. <laughs> One of my favorite songs in Bob's Burgers is it's like, if you see something, say something. <laughs> TSA the musical. Sorry, so now that song is stuck in my head. End of that tangent. Thank you. It's always in my head anyway. So now it's just a little bit louder. Um, anyway, so Eliza, she realizes like Darwin's point. She agrees with him. Like, yeah, you're right. I know I can't just like parade these pandas through the village. And so she says instead that she's trying to convince her parents or that she will try to convince her parents to drive out near the shack that where the pandas are and to have them accidentally come across these pandas and thus convince her parents to jump into action to see that the pandas are you know taken somewhere safe how she's gonna convince them to drive out near the shack and then to be like okay now that we're by the shack let's see what's inside down this alleyway that the combi definitely can't fit down because it's an alleyway it's an rv (laughs) Okay. Oh, like murder mystery initiated. Here we go. So Darwin is much like we are feeling. Darwin's (laughs) trying to tell her that this is not a good idea. Like this is not going to work, Eliza. But by the time that he says this, Eliza and Donnie have already started to walk away to meet up with Ling. So Darwin's like, God damn it. Okay, here we go. He gives them the peer pressure and follows them. Yep. But once we see the group back at the shack, We quickly learn that, I guess, somewhere on the way, on their walk back to the shack or their bike ride, Eliza has forsaken her initial plan. And I guess on the fly, she came up with a new one, wherein her, Ling, Darwin, Donnie, and the pandas will all get underneath the dragon kite <laughs> slash costume that Ling's grandfather made for the parade, which, by the way, is supposed to start at any minute because he oh, said God. it was tomorrow when they met him and it is now the next day. It is today. Okay. It is today. So the, the parade is about to happen. And so Eliza's plan is that all of them will get underneath this costume and they'll just simply walk, parade the pandas out of Good. the village and to safety Good. because. Who's going to look underneath the costume, right? Duh. No, no. Prob's wrong. So <laughs> These pandas will be totally fine in a crowd of humans and noises and music and fireworks and screaming. Cool. Oh, no. Okay. And you are painting the picture 
for act three of this episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. So, but before I get to the parade itself, let me just say, Ling naturally is very worried about this plan because she knows how important this kite or this, you know, this costume, whatever you want to call it, is to her grandfather and her entire family. And so, you know, they're hiding outside of this shack. And when they see the poacher and his accomplice, this hilarious, some like very nerdy looking dude, he's got like thick circular frame glasses on and like a sweater vest, whatever. Okay. They see, they see these guys leaving the shack and they all run in with the kite or the costume and they close the doors behind them so that they can get the pandas out of this cage and situated underneath the costume. And they leave the shack and they're making their way through the village under this dragon costume. In costume, including the everyone's in costume. Everyone. Okay. Donnie, Eliza, all of them in the costume. And yes, in this busy village street where the parade is just now starting, all the festivities are going by. And at one point, they happen to walk right by the poachers. And at that exact moment, Shishu starts to get a little overwhelmed with all of the festivities, just as you anticipated, just as you foresaw. So Shishu, like, starts sticking his head out from underneath this little dragon costume. And he's asking, like, Eliza, who are all these strange men? Who are all these people on the streets? Like, where am I? What's happening? There's, like, noise and all this stuff going around. Eliza's re-traumatizing I know. He's like, not only have I lost my mother before, but now I'm just like, I'm so scared I'm going to get trampled or I'm going to get shot. I don't know what's going to happen. And of course, right as Shishu has his head popped out and is like squeaking and whimpering out of fear, the poacher happens to look over and immediately sees Shishu's little baby panda head sticking out from underneath the costume and immediately yells for them to stop realizing that some randos have just stolen his stolen pandas so naturally the gang books it right like they fucking start running Eliza just picks up Shishu and like everyone else is running except since Maymay is a female adult so probably like 250 pounds yeah she just sits there. Mame is like, I'm not leaving. Like, yeah, I was gonna say to someone. Actually, I thought someone's gonna try and ride her. <laughs> oh, Mame, go on onward. <laughs> I ho, Silver. Oh well. I ho, Mame, away, away. And so no, Mame just sits there. She stands back and lets the poachers take her. And Eliza, like I said, she picks up Shishu and starts running with them. While the rest of the gang is like still running underneath and getting tangled up in this dragon costume. But as they're running back towards the Great Wall, Ling's grandfather and his sons, they're like walking out of the store and they see their dragon costume like running down the streets and they're like, hey, yo, the fuck? Like, grab those kids. (laughs) Like, I, I think they assume that it's. Actually, I don't know if they see that it's Ling and Eliza because they seem very violent at first about it. Like, get those kids. They have my costume. Yeah, definitely not them. Yeah. And so the gang, they're all at this point. Eliza has like shuffled her way back underneath the costume and they decide to run up the stairs up the Great Wall. And they're like plowing through the festival and the crowds trying to escape the poachers and ling's family are the poachers following them 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually funny. There's this like one, one like shot. Back. Okay. Yeah. So one of them does stay back with Maymay and the other poacher, the original one who was like driving the truck at the beginning is the one following them. So the nerdy guy okay. stays back with Maymay and the other guy who I didn't describe, he's like a, a Chinese guy with, um, he's got like a green, like adventured vest on and stuff and like uh-huh. khakis or whatever just, which know, typical, also, typical poacher wear <laughs> i'm sorry real quick but like oh, yeah. that also means that this poacher is going after them i mean yeah he's like i want to get the baby panda back but he's also like you're about to get caught because now you're just a giant panda in the middle of the street i'm leaving the nerd behind to be the one who gets caught because you can't what, what's their plan are they just going to walk it back to the shack now i guess <laughs> In the middle of a parade, yeah, you now know, it's a panda. It's a, it's it's an animatronic. <laughs> it's actively pooping. It's, it's part, not robot. That's robotic poop. It's all. <laughs> it's for the festival. <laughs> Shut anyway, up and run, run, May May, run. So the the nerdy like... accomplice gets on May May's back. Away, May May, away. <laughs> she just sits down again. Yeah, it's like eating bamboo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but go on so, I was just so okay yes and you know p- put a pin in all of this because okay, this, i sure this will is, if it's not it's wild already i'm gonna tell you what this episode gets even wilder in my <laughs> last couple of pages here of my script okay so um the family yeah or not the family sorry the gang of children and mm-hmm. shishu are like dodging the crowd pushing through the festival goers and they, you know, they get back up to the top of the Great Wall. And the poacher, though, he somehow pulls a fast one and gets ahead of them and stops them from the front while Ling's family is following them from behind. And he's like, I'm going to need you to return my panda, please, right now. But just as he says this, the parade, it's like, it's not just on the streets of this village. It's actually like, on the Great Wall, too. Like, you've got, like, dancers and, like, parades. It's pretty cool, actually. It is pretty cool. Pretty sure it would not happen this way, but I don't know. Like yeah. I said, I've never been to the Great Wall before, so <laughs> I can't say. And my research did not prove otherwise. So Great. the poacher actually gets knocked over by a woman dancing in the parade, and the gang is able to briefly get away not only because the poacher is knocked down, but because Eliza like looks over and sees this old man who's just like holding a tandem bike by him while he's like watching the parade and cheering. Exactly. Eliza just steals that shit. Like, I promise we'll give it back. And then like everyone hops on and like they just take (laughs) off. And Ling is like, Eliza Eliza holding the panda. So she was until at one point, it's funny that you said that. So she started by holding the panda. And then when she gets back under the costume and they run up the steps of the Great Wall, she's like, okay, Shishu, you gotta get you gotta run because you're too heavy, man. <laughs> so like, she, she, she literally says, like, you're too heavy. I can't carry you up these steps. So like she was, and now she's not. And then now okay. he's in like the front basket with Donnie of uh, this tandem e. bike. Yeah. <laughs> okay, keep going. Pin. in that. So uh, they knock this old man over to get his bike. Actually, I don't think Good. they knock him over, but yeah, right. did, dramatic yeah. effect. Let's say that they do and they take <laughs> off. And hilariously, the crowd is like loving this display of the dragon costume. And Are they in the dragon costume still on the bike? They're, they're still in the dragon costume on the bike. And Donnie, I love that you said the E.T. thing because he like, 
he stands up in the front basket and again saying how Donnie is just such a G he like majestically lifts up the head of this dragon costume so it's like floating in the wind overhead of the kids and it looks absolutely beautiful and Donnie's just like the head of it like embracing it all in like chanting as this like beautiful dragon is flowing (laughs) yes it's like flowing in the wind on top of the great wall which like if you're down on the ground seeing this it probably looks fucking amazing because you can't see the kids in the bike or whatever but even on top of the wall the the crowd's like applauding and cheering and like people are just so moved by how beautiful (laughs) this is as these kids pedal by there's and one so, person below who goes, this is just a shout out for you. It's dancing with me. It's dancing. It's the dance of life. <laughs> <laughs> Breaks everything. <laughs> okay, God. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, funny story. That's probably like one of our first like inside jokes. Although I guess it wasn't really an inside joke because it's fucking family guy. But like, yeah, I think yeah, that was just years ago. It. Yeah, and it's like they took it from was it American Beauty? Is that the one? Yes, yes, the is that leaf. What it's called? Amer- yeah, American Beauty. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. the very Anyways, creepy yes. Kevin Spacey Some movie. Great movie, but yes, deep cuts yes. <laughs> going way back in the memory vault there. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yes, this group of kids, uh, you know, in this um, dragon costume on this bike, they happen to pedal right by Debbie, Nigel, and Marianne, who are. Great back on the wall today continuing to find a subject for debbie's research project and like the three of them see the kids like zoom by on a bike and they're like wait huh and then they see an angry crowd like an angry mob running behind them and they're like okay we should follow them (laughs) like at first they didn't think it was eliza and then they see the angry crowd and they're like, they're like oh shit, that's probably Eliza. <laughs> Eliza and Darwin and Donnie. And so the kids Accurate. and, you know, the heat in the rush of all of this, they eventually crash their bike, like trying to ride it down some stairs oh, on God. the Great Wall. Okay. They are not going to return this bike to that old man, unfortunately, <laughs> at this the rate. in the hospital right now. He got knocked over. <laughs> he like, they knocked him over and he like Broke fell off the wall. Just another body for the wall to take. Yep. Add his bones to the mortar. <laughs> oh, good. So Nigel, once the kids crash and they're like all laid out at the bottom of the staircase, Nigel walks up and is like, what is going on here? Why are you guys not only biking, but biking on top of the gray wall? Not only biking on top of the Great Wall, but biking on top of the Great Wall underneath a dragon kite. Not only biking on top of the Great Wall with a dragon kite, but doing so with a panda. Not only that, but doing so with a panda and an angry mob chasing after them. Like, it just compounds into ridiculousness. Like, why? Only Eliza. Only freaking Eliza and Donnie. So Eliza tells them that the man who was chasing them, who's now also, like, standing there because everyone was able to catch up with them, Right. Eliza's like, this man is a poacher, dad. He's taken these animals out of their habitat and now he's going to sell them off or do whatever with them. Mm-hmm. And the man jumps in now like, God, finally, can you give me a chance to speak, Eliza? <laughs> yeah, make <laughs> my like, case. Yeah, he's like, you thought I was a poacher? Like, you think I'm a poacher? <laughs> <laughs> Whole lot twist. 
he quickly <laughs> so bad introduces himself. He was like, no, my name is Mitchell Chung. And Nigel cuts in and you're like, and he's like, the Mitchell Chung? This isn't my daughter. You? I don't know this young American I don't know girl this, like, also push, red hair and freckles. Like, pushes her off the wall. <laughs> I've Nigel never seen a girl in my life. Not, not once. I know she looks a lot like me, but I swear to God. No clue. I don't know no, how. I just guessed her name. I just guessed. <laughs> she looks like an Eliza. Eliza's always trouble, you know? Off the wall. Off the wall. So <laughs> Nigel continues saying, Mitchell Chung, you're the world's foremost authority on protecting and preserving wild pandas. Oh. And Mitchell just like closes his eyes and smiles and nods like, yeah, no big deal toss toss like yeah that indeed is me like I am pretty famous for this line of work Eliza though she's still not quite buying it though which okay I kind of understand because she's like but you have them in a cage and also she's in this D she's gotta hold her ground I know (laughs) you can't give up that easily she's 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 still gonna be embarrassed it doesn't matter but yeah you know if you're gonna be wrong you might as well be emphatically wrong wrong. like yeah like (laughs) really lean into it (laughs) don't give up stand your ground hold your ground see evidence to the contrary ignore it ignore it god she's (laughs) a good american (laughs) i told you yeah they're definitely team usa usa so eliza though she's still not buying it she's like yeah you guys were in a cage or you had them in a cage if you're such a authority in preserving them but like also yeah how the fuck else are you going to transport these these wild pandas like yes they were in a cage eliza eliza yeah that seems real safe (laughs) eliza seems safe so mitchell responds yes i had him in a cage because i rescued the mother and the cub from a fire they had no food or shelter so i'm taking them to a nearby nature preserve (laughs) which again i did not have time to look up if there are any panda nature preserves near beijing i'm sure that there's yeah at least like a zoo or something in beijing that takes very good care of pandas so that's probably what he's referring to and he was just making a pit stop in this town that's only like an hour outside of beijing probably because I don't know, like whatever. I'm not. I need to clean the cage because it's full of poop. I'm not the world's leading or foremost authority on protecting and preserving wild pandas, so I don't know. That's not not. why you fly to China first. On my bucket list. (laughs) That's why I thought. That's what I thought you were doing on all those trips. No, I was trying to get into the Olympics. Damn it! At age, (laughs) at age like fifteen. So Eliza, at this point, is like, oof. Yeah, okay, I'm out of arguments. <laughs> to the contrary, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Like she admits that she straight up long jumped into conclusion before <laughs> asking. She didn't just jump in, she fucking like long jumped into she these conclusions. She was on SpaceX. <laughs> into space launched herself. <laughs> launched herself into conclusions before asking for help or asking anything for that matter either from her parents from Mitchell Chung himself from anyone who knows anything about pandas and so Mitchell seeing that no one was hurt and that the pandas are fine he accepts her apology and says that like it's clear that your heart was at least in the right place and at this point 
Ling's grandfather walks up to them now. Oh no. Because like I said, he's caught up to them too. And at first, you know, he looks really pissed. Like his arm, he like does a one over of his dragon costume to make sure like it's not ripped. (laughs) Yeah, it totally destroyed all that hard work. He's like got crossed arms and he's just like glaring at Ling. And Ling, like before grandpa can say anything, she's like, oh my God, I'm so, so sorry. Like, I know how important this was to you. Please forgive me. And Eliza, thankfully, jumps in and she's like, I'm so sorry, dude. Like, this was actually my fault. Yeah, like, I convinced Ling to steal your costume and destroy it by carrying these pandas underneath it. And she's that were already safe and totally not in my savings. Sorry. Exactly. Sorry. Like you said last last episode, last week, Eliza's gotta be a dick. Yeah, this is definitely this is one of her worst moments, I will say, in any episode of the Wild Thornberries that I've watched so far. One of, maybe not the, but definitely up there. It's not good. Maybe it's not great. So Ling's grandfather, though, he expresses that he's also just happy that no one was hurt. He's like, I'm just glad to see you guys are all here and you're okay because that was a fucking crazy stunt y'all just pulled. Yeah. But he adds, and he a smile grows on his face, and he's like, but. The festival judges were actually super impressed by that spectacle. Thank you, Donnie, for the assist. That that majestic dragon head lift that he did. (laughs) And they actually awarded Ling's family the first place prize for the parade. (laughs) Okay, but this is all Donnie, not Eliza. Donnie gets credit. Eliza did not help this. Because like, yeah, was it impressive just seeing the dragon on the bike? Sure, but it really was when Donnie did like that almost the um, oh god, the, the dirty dancing lift, <laughs> lift of, the of, the, of the dragon costume. That is truly what won it for Ling Amazing. and her family. So in the end, just like you said, it was a win-win. Uh, I guess for everyone besides Eliza, because she's just like utterly she embarrassed. Just a lot. Just, yeah. yeah. Like go to the convi and don't talk to anyone until we're out of the country. Uh, so uh, <laughs> Eliza, she returns Shishu to the poacher, or I shouldn't even call him a poacher anymore to Mitchell Chung. And uh-huh. then uh, Shishu is reunited with May May again. For, again. <laughs> so yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, kidnapped Shishu, by the way. Okay. Twice. I didn't, I didn't say this. I had to add it in right around the same time that Eliza like told Shishu like, all right, dude, you got to run for yourself because I can't carry you up the steps. Uh Shishu is like, but we need to all stick together or something along those lines. And she's like, we're all here. The gang's all here. And Shishu's like, not my My mom. mom. (laughs) Eliza turns around and sees Maymay still just like sitting in the village with one of the poachers like holding on to her. And she's like, we'll get back to her later. Let's go. Going again, Eliza tripling down like so terrible, so so terrible. Anyway, so Eliza, a good character. I sometimes am not sure. (laughs) Okay, there's a few times where I'm like, okay, yeah, Eliza, that's cool, that's cool, but I think. More often than not, even in just the episodes that we've covered, and we're clearly only scratching the surface yes, of the Wild Thornberries episodes. She's why things are bad. Yeah, Sometimes. she is always getting into trouble and is really not respectful of other cultures often for or like the as animals. much as the, 
or the animals themselves um, for as much of like a conservationist and like a pro animal person she seems to be. I think it's because she's gotten so comfortable with them since she can talk to them. She's like, oh no, I know what they want, but it's, it's just like humans, right? Like you can assume that you know what a human wants because you're a human, but like they're com- we're complex creatures. But sometimes also, we don't voice our opinions. Like, but also you need to Shishu, really ask. Shishu did voice his opinion, not my mom. And Eliza said, <laughs> <laughs> "Never mind, we're gonna take you anyway." Yeah, May May voiced her opinion. I'm not leaving this cage. These men <laughs> yeah. are taking care of us, and she's like, "No, so... listen to me. I am the 12 year old authority here." I know what's right and wrong so anyway yeah so the pandas though they're reunited and the conservationists not poachers (laughs) take them off to a nearby preserve where they can be kept safe until their natural habitat is ready for them to return to great back at the great wall Ling and Eliza bid adieu and the thornberries take off in the convi and that's pretty much the end. But I will also say for some character justice or arc Debbie. for um, Debbie. Exactly. So in the end, she decides to actually do her project on trade and commerce at the Great Wall. Cool. So kind of actually a dope topic. I was like, oh, that's actually fascinating. I would love to read a paper Debbie. on like the Silk Road and like protect protecting yes. well, like, capitalism even back then. Into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And cool. so her her basis for this, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, that she was like noticing all the little retail shops and like souvenir stores and stuff around yeah. the wall and how she kept making all these really cool trades. Like I think I said she started with sandals and she traded that for a fan, traded that for a grasshopper cage and traded this and whatever yeah. and for like a bunch of stuff. And so she actually thanks her parents for helping her to find Aww. a topic of interest to her. And is like, yeah, this is like something that I really care about. And like, I wouldn't have thought of it without you guys. So thanks, which is like super sweet because That's her really parents, really like the, this whole episode, they really think that they're like failing to connect with Debbie during Aww. their day together. And like, right before Debbie tells them what her topic is going to be, they're like, gosh, I just... I wish we could get through to her. She's just really not seeming excited about anything that we've showed her. And then she's like, no, like, I love you guys. And like, yes, I love spending time with you guys, but I do that every single day. So I'm sorry if I came (laughs) off as a little bit cold, but thank you also for helping me figure out my assignment. And yeah, that's the end. So yeah, Debbie is the hero of this episode. Eliza (laughs) is 100% the villain. (laughs) Also, I was just picturing like in the moment in which like... The bat the bike has crashed. The poacher is revealing himself not to be a poacher but a conservationist. Nigel denying knowing Eliza, most likely, et cetera, et cetera. Matt Ling all of a sudden switches to just speaking in Chinese and pretends she doesn't know English. So she can be like, I don't know what's happening here. Oh my God, what? What? Backs Where, away what slowly am being I? like, this is so crazy. Where am I? <laughs> what are you guys even saying? I don't speak English. Bye. And just like <laughs> runs off to the crowd. Never to be the seen again. Yeah, but <laughs> the, yeah, le- right. the legend of Lang. <laughs> legend of Lang. But no, you're right. Um, Eliza was the villain, and Lang definitely never answers another one of Eliza's pen pal letters. Mm-mm. No, again. never. Like, yeah. Her bad news. No, her adventures that she tells me, it's just the flip side. It's just it's one side. Like a lot exactly. of history, it can just it, it's about who writes it. And Eliza, <laughs> yeah, left out all the parts where she. 
she was the cause of the chaos in her mm-hmm. letters probably to Ling. Pretty much. Yeah. She wow. she loves talking about all the time. She's like, save Darwin and escape these super dangerous situations. <laughs> Leaves out the part where they were all of her own making. So yes. Ling did not know what she was getting into. She had to see it in real life and regretted it probably. And so, so we don't forget this time, shall we real quick do our little uh, what should have killed or could have killed any of the members of the Thornberries or any of the characters in this episode today? Yeah, this was kind of hard for that. I feel like they, I mean, there's a lot of danger, but not the normal danger. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, if pandas have the same, like, um, well, you've said, yeah, they in irritation have struck mm-hmm. humans so like maybe i was probably getting fucking pissed in the cage when eliza kept trying to kidnap her son so she i was. think maymay <laughs> was irritated and also like messing with a cub yes you're asking to get your head slashed by a band 100 percent. you can actually you can hear like a tonal shift in her voice like when she first sees yes. eliza she's like oh thank god you're here and then when Eliza like pulls Shishu out of the cage, she's like, no, she's like, I'm staying here. Like she's clearly yeah. irritated. So good point. Yeah. Uh, Eliza one. could have and should have been mauled by May May. Yes. Um, um, could have fallen off the Great Wall. I don't know if they were on one of those on 50 feet areas on a, on rocks. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, also like just the general mob mentality could have killed her. And also like mass yes. hysteria of a dragon come dragon costume coming off and two pandas being revealed could have caused hysterics and stampeded them and a stampede exactly parade quickly turns into a stampede yeah um hmm, uh the grandfather could have killed them for ruining his life's work he He seemed pissed at first thank god for donnie i think donnie Uh actually so you have two heroes in this episode you've got donnie first and then i think debbie second Yes, uh, and, that's and you it. only have one villain, Eliza, Eliza. Thornberry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, She's if, like at the visitor center of the nature preserve. There's like mug shots of her. Like, do not let her <laughs> do enter. Not let her. She's gonna try to steal our panda. She thinks we're all poachers. <laughs> um, which, to that end, if Mitchell Chung had actually been a poacher, then he one thousand percent would have killed this yes. like random twelve year old white girl who was trying to run yes. off with his pandas. Well, like, Honestly, and taken even, Darwin too, probably. Even if he hadn't been a poacher, if he would have caught her in the shed trying to steal the panda, he probably would have thought she was a poacher and killed her. <laughs> They're teaching so, him like, so young now. Either way, Eliza's getting shot. It's like a child's army of poachers, child <laughs> poachers instead of child soldiers. Yeah. Uh. I mean, the world's a crazy place. It is. It, it is. Honestly, so, wow. Great I'm job. pretty sure those exist. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And work. so yet another wild episode. Sorry, it was long, but I, I warned y'all from the jump. A lot of Tangent Avenue uh, pit stops that we had to take. <laughs> Apologize, so- but not really. How many times are you guys going to find yourselves just randomly pulling up the Wikipedia page on the Great Wall or on Pandas? Yeah. You're not. So no, I just read to. half of it to you. Exactly. Just rewatch this episode and you know almost everything you need to know about all yeah, of this. No topics. more questions. So <laughs> not whatsoever. All. That's it. That's all right. that there is. All the research that has ever been done on pandas and the Great Wall and kites in China. <laughs> this episode. I put it in this episode. <laughs> so to that end, next week we'll be back with yet another episode of the Wild Thornberries right. and a tale of survival. Well, will we? 
Yeah, we've got two more. Oh, okay. I thought you said, will we? Oh, like, yeah. No, I, said, oh. we will. I was like, Did I? I hope so, because I, I think say? I have two more. I don't know. I might have just misheard you. I well, don't know. we'll see you at some point, everyone. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll get arrested for flying a kite around the White House. Who knows? TB, TBD. Anything could happen. Uh, but just in case, if I'm not arrested, we'll be back <laughs> next week. And yes. in the meantime, until we're back, Grace, who should the audience tell about this podcast? Okay. So Ooh. here's Panda Deep Cut that I'm pretty sure <laughs> is a panda fact. Okay. So maybe I learned it during my research. I'll confirm pandas, as we know, yeah, are like very endangered and very rare, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So in captivity, it's really important for them to obviously be breeding so we can have more pandas, but it's really hard to get pandas to actually breed with each other, especially in captivity. I don't mm. know why, but it is. So at some zoos, people have to dress up as pandas to try to like. Oh, get them like ready to mate, oh. which I'm pretty sure is true. I'm a fact check it after this. Yeah, episode. I did but not learn like that in my reading, but I might like, not have gotten to that point. Yeah, it like it's like just really hard to like. It's basically they have to like try to convince them to mate with each other and like dress up yeah. like pandas. So you should tell someone who has that job at the zoo, the like panda mater, I guess. <laughs> tell them about this episode. No, we're thinking to them. <laughs> And who else? Before I say who else, that makes the first episode with Shishu and Meimei even funnier. Because right Debbie, now, sure. because yeah, while you're Googling, I'll go down another Tangent Avenue or uh-huh. go down one blast trip down Tangent Avenue. And that first episode with Shishu and Meimei, season two, whatever episode, Debbie is dressed like a panda. <laughs> and so it makes that even funnier. To think that he imprinted on her and or that like if there was a male panda that happened to be in the area, Debbie's day could have ended a lot differently than it did (laughs) in that episode. Yeah, a lot of bad news bears real quick. Uh, Legit bad news panda bears. (laughs) Bad bears. Um. And so um, while you're still looking that yeah. up, I'll say my um my my who they should tell. Uh so yes. you said the person who has to arouse the pandas. My God, what a <laughs> noble career. And it's also you have found yourselves true. in. Yes. Okay. Well, say that maybe before I say who they should tell on my no. end then. No, no, no. Oh, that's no. it. That like in dealing with pandas, it is. Okay. Um, zookeepers often have to dress up as pandas, and sometimes indeed breeding pandas is incredibly hard. Smithsonian magazine article. Okay, I trust them. I trust yep. them, at least with Western thought. So uh <laughs> so okay. Um, after you tell that person, that panda zookeeper, uh-huh. tell um Tell someone who cultivates or grows locally bamboo. Oh. Uh, And I don't know, see if maybe they'll start shipping it to their uh, nearby zoo if they don't already. And tell them in the process that someone is going to use that bamboo, dress up as a panda, and try to sexually arouse other pandas to (laughs) 
But the pandas are just too busy pooping. Procreate. Oh, that bamboo you just grew. And, and peeing to leave their scent somewhere <laughs> as a mechanism for communication. So, Bam. yeah, I guess Love it's kind of it. like dogs when you think about it that yeah. way. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Cool. Great. Well, awesome. On those ha- great notes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, this was a long one, but <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed. It's we'll be back next week. <laughs> yes. All right. Bye. bye. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Morning Mysteries. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, review, leave us a like, and drop a comment. We post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at SatmornMist, all the abreeds. And let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries.